justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, shout no. In all, say all. All these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I'm sure, that means I know that I know that I know. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If the Lord will help me today, I want to preach to you for a few moments a message I've just simply titled, Because He's Good. Say that with me this morning. Because He's Good. Pray with me and for me. Father, thank you so much for your presence today. We thank you for the evidence of your goodness that we can see all over our lives. God, I pray today if there's somebody under the sound of my voice that is not ready to meet you, should they go into eternity today, that Lord, before they leave this room today, they would make their calling and election sure. They would surrender their heart and their life to you. I pray that, Lord, that that would happen today before they leave this room. But Lord, I also pray you stirred my heart this week for your people and changed my message to go a different direction because, Lord, you said there would be people in this room today that would need to be reminded of your goodness. So God, I'm asking you to help me do that today, if you will. For the next few moments, remove every distraction that would hinder us and prohibit us from hearing and receiving what you would speak to us today. Anoint these lips of clay that I wouldn't speak with my words at all. And Lord, that I also wouldn't speak with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but that I would just declare your word today and that your word would come forth in the demonstration and the power of your spirit. I ask you, God, to anoint ears to hear and hearts to receive what you are speaking to your people today. Lord, let us be reminded that we can make it because you are good. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in and through your word today in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning as you're seated. I'm going to preach differently than I normally do. I'm going to actually do some expository preaching this morning, which is not normally my style, but that's when the Lord gives you a word, a passage of scripture, and you break it down and go through it verse by verse. That's what we're actually going to do today. But I want to talk to you, first of all, about having faith in God. Now listen, our faith is not in our faith. Did you hear me? Our faith isn't even in the Bible. I didn't get a single amen at 8.45 either. Everybody gets scared. But listen to me this morning. Our faith is not in our faith. And our faith is not even in the Bible. Our faith is in the God who wrote the Bible. Our faith is not in our prayers. But our faith is in the God who hears and answers our prayers. 
Now, that may seem like I'm stating the obvious this morning, but the truth is there are people, believers, and even some preachers out there who believe that everything that you need for a victorious life is to look within yourself and find the good that is inside of you, and they never even mention Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They never, ever preach on sin. Well, y'all are quiet today, too. There's a seat at the 845 for you. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They never even preach on sin. They never want to say anything that ruffles anybody's feathers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because their faith is not in what it should be. Are you with me? My faith, listen, if I have faith in God, that faith in God will make a difference in my life. I believe in prayer. I believe in this book, every word of it. But some people, and if this, you know, in the old church, we used to say, if we couldn't say amen, we'd say, oh me. How many knows what I'm talking about? Well, if that's where this hits you, then so be it this morning. But a lot of us have faith in this book, and some people even declare it to be so holy that they just proudly display it on their coffee table. Are you with me? But they never open it up and read it for themselves. Can I get a witness this morning? Can I tell you somehow their faith is in the book? But Jesus said in Mark chapter 11 and verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. Say that with me this morning. Have faith in God. Say it again. Have faith in God. Now listen, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame. Watch this. Because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. If they'll leave that scripture on the screen for just a moment. The first key there is, is that you have to know who you believe in. It does not say that I know about God. It does not say that I believe in God. Are you with me? It says, I know the person. It's a personal relationship. I know the person in whom I have believed. you got to know the person. There's too many people going to church today that just know about God. But they don't have a personal relationship with God. Secondly, he said, and I'm convinced that he is able. He is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What is it that you have entrusted to him this morning? I'll tell you what it is. It's your faith. Whatever you believe him for, whatever he has promised you in his word, I'm convinced, Paul said, that because I have entrusted my faith to him, listen to me this morning, I don't have to worry about anything. That's hard to preach to Pentecostal people because y'all like to worry about everything. Right? You know, by nature, we're more emotional anyway. And that can be a good thing. That can also be a bad thing. I said I don't have to worry about anything. If I have faith in God 
And I am convinced, I'm persuaded that the one I have faith in is able to keep, guard, and protect everything I've entrusted to him. I don't have to worry about cancer. I don't have to worry about heart disease. I don't have to worry about poverty. I don't have to worry about danger. Anybody go to Nibrock Friday night? If you did, you know what I'm talking about. Some, careful pastor, not very smart person yelled, Shooter! In the carnival area. People lost their children. The crowd trampled. It was crazy. There was no active shooter. Listen, I don't have to worry about danger. Are you with me? I don't have to worry about oppression. I don't have to worry about battles. I don't have to worry about the enemy, my adversary, the devil. If I have faith in God, he can keep everything I've entrusted to him. It doesn't matter what the enemy, does that mean that I may not go through some stuff? Absolutely, it doesn't mean that I won't go through some stuff. It rains on the just and the unjust. How many knows what I'm talking about this morning? But it means that no matter what I may face today, or no matter what I may wake up and face tomorrow, I am persuaded, I am convinced that the God that I serve is more than able to keep guard and protect everything I've entrusted to him. You know why? I've already read the end of the book. And I know the rest of the story. The reason that we can believe that God is, is that because God loves you. And because of this one characteristic that prevails over your life, he is working it all. Say all again. He's working it all for your good. Listen. You may not understand it all, but that doesn't mean he's not working it all. I want to look at our text this morning, verses 28 through 39. I want to walk through this passage to show you that because God is good and that he's good all the time, you can be convinced that he's able to protect what you've entrusted into him. So I'm going to ask you a few questions this morning. Number one, do you believe this is God's word? Do you believe that it is for you? Hearing it, this needs to be said in a lot of pulpits across America today. Do you accept it for exactly what it says? Mm -hmm. And will you appropriate it to your life today? If you'll do those things, I believe you're going to be convinced this morning that he's good. Verse 28, let's look at it. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This verse does not say that God causes bad things to happen in your life. But what it does say is that even when bad things happen in your life, that he will, they've already sung about it this morning, he will turn it around and work it for your good. When I think about that this morning, the best biblical example I can think of is Joseph. When you read the story of Joseph and what his brothers did to him after they sold him into slavery, after they left him in a pit to die, we read later on after Joseph went through everything that he went through when he was in a position to repay them for what they had done. See, some of y'all are waiting around on your turn when you can repay what somebody else has done to you. But can I tell you this morning, as long as you have that attitude, God will not turn it around for your good. 
But when you let go and let God fight the battle, you can be like Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 and 20. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for I am in the place of God. You know, he said, I can do what I want. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Have you ever stopped to think about sometimes what you're going through may be for the benefit of somebody else to see the glory of God in your life? Have you ever thought about that? Why does God work all things for our good? Because He's good. I want us to declare that. I want you to declare that today over your family. But I also want you to declare that over your church today. Because we are family. Amen? We are many members And we're becoming many more members, and that's a beautiful thing. But we're still one body, right? Many members, one body. We need to declare what they sang last Sunday. Even when we can't see it, he's working. Even when your little Pentecostal self can't feel it. Some of y'all ought to help me. Some of y'all that are like me that are converted Baptists, good solid folks, need to help me preach right there. I'm just teasing. Or Nazarenes, Lonnie. Listen. Even when we can't feel it, he's working. Because he, they sung it last week, he never stops. Never stops working. Even when it looks like you ever found yourself sometimes wondering, God, where are you? Just remind yourself, even though I can't see you, I know you're working. Even though I don't feel it right now, I know you're working. Because, God, I know you're working on my behalf, and you're going to take it and turn it around and work it for my good. So I have a question this morning. How does God, how does God want us to know him? I said you have to know him personally. How does God want us to know him? In the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve walked with God, there was this tree planted that was forbidden for them to eat of. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Listen, the serpent did not tempt Adam and Eve to steal. He didn't tempt them to kill. He didn't tempt them to commit adultery. He didn't tempt them to become intoxicated. All of those things that sometimes we consider, you know, there's, first of all, I'm going to bust some holier-than-thou bubbles this morning. There are no big sins and little sins. Sin is sin, straight across the board. But we like to classify them that way. We think certain things are so awful, don't we? And then we make other things minimal. But can I tell you this morning, he didn't tempt Adam and Eve with those things that we consider to be big sins. You know what he tempted them with? The only thing he tempted them with, he simply tested them. He tempted them to question what God had said. That was their sin, questioning what God had already said. See, before they ate of its fruit, they didn't know. The only thing they knew was good. They didn't even know evil existed. Man, can you imagine that? But because they knew God. See, listen, when all you know is God, all you know is good. Say amen, somebody. When you determine to only know God, then you're determined to only know good. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When all you know is God, all you know is good. 
In verse 28 of our main text, it said that he works things out for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What's that talking about? It's talking about the redeemed, those who are saved by grace, those who love him. But I want to take it a step farther this morning. Is it just for those who have accepted salvation? Can you really, can you really love God without being convinced that he is able to guard and keep what you have entrusted to him? What I'm trying to say is that if you really, if we really love God, we all like to say that. But if we really love God, shouldn't we trust him to do everything he's already said he would do? You've been called according to his purpose. For what? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 said, We, includes everybody, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But listen to me this morning. You cannot do it on your own. You have to have faith in God that he will accomplish everything that he has promised. I love John 15 and 5. I didn't give them this passage of scripture, but paraphrasing it, it says, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. I love this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In all things, in all situations, God works. I want to remind somebody of that this morning. In all things, in all situations, God works. Let's look at verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. We're talking about how good God is. In verse 29, it says that God foreknew you. Because of his eternal nature, he knows He knows who will have faith in him. And if you trust him, then he has predestined or he has foreordained for those that trust him to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Now listen, it does not mean, hear me well. I had to straighten out this doctrine a couple months ago. It does not mean that he has picked some people to be saved and others to be lost. Somebody help me preach. If that was the case, we had somebody that used to come to this church that goes to another church that they thought they were loving and liking and, and worship was good and things was good. And then they reached out to me and told me about something that was preached and asked some questions about it. And I, you know what I just simply said? I said, let me clear that up for you real quick. That's Calvinism. That's Calvinism. What they're teaching is contrary to the Word of God. That's Calvinism. How could we say that, that God is good if He wouldn't even give some people an opportunity to be saved? But God has created all of us as free moral agents. You've got the right and you've got the opportunity to make a choice, to make a decision. The difference is you've got to decide, I'm going to make that choice. I'm going to make that decision and trust in Him. God wouldn't be good if He didn't give everybody an opportunity to be saved. But He's done that. Verse 30. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. So here is where we really get into understanding the goodness of God that's revealed by our faith in Him. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The word if here, when you really study this passage of Scripture in depth, the word if here is actually translated since. So since God is for us, who can be against us? It leaves no doubt of God's goodness in dealing with those who have placed their faith and their trust in Him. But here's an interesting thought. 
on the surface, most of us would think, and they'd look at this verse, and we would think, if God is for us, then nobody can be against us. But that's not what it's saying. How many knows there's something against us? What it's actually saying is if God is for us, that's placed in direct contrast with if God is the one that's for us, then who is the one that's against us? Are you with me? And when you begin to think about that, who's against us? The enemy, your adversary, the devil is against us. Satan is against us. And when you look at the, the, what the word has to say about Satan, let's look at what the word says about him that he has going for him. It says he's the God of this world. It says he's the prince and power of the air. He says, it says he's a liar and the father of all lies. Sounds like a good guy, right? He masquerades as an angel of light. He pretends to be something he's not. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. He's been given dominion over the earth by Adam when he sinned. That is who is against you this morning. You got to know your, ad. what's the word say? Your adversary, the devil, roameth about as what? A roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But because you serve a God who is good and because he has given you great and precious promises, you can stand against the wiles of the devil and know that if God is for you, it doesn't matter that the enemy is against you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have God's word the same way that Jesus had it when he was tempted in the desert. Jesus himself was tempted. He had to go to the word. What did he say? It is written. So when the enemy wants to bring sickness into your life, you can say, it is written, by his stripes I am healed. You take that Isaiah passage and you go over to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. And Peter said it this way. By his stripes you were healed. He didn't say you are healed. He said it's already been done. Why? Because when he bare those stripes on his back, when he shed his blood on Calvary, that was the only work that he ever had to do. It's already been done. But you have to appropriate God's word to your life. If the enemy wants to bring poverty into your life, you can say it is written, God provides seed for the sower. Anybody sower, any sowers this morning glad that God provides the seed? God provides seed. See, if you, if you give, you'll know what that means. But if you're not a giver, you've not experienced it yet. So let me say that again. Are there any sowers this morning that can testify when you sow, God provides the seed? The Word said he'll also supply increase. I love what 2 Corinthians 9 and 9 through 11 said. I didn't give them this, but it says, You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every occasion. You'll be made rich in every way. You know what? Contrary to what a lot of people in movements like ours have preached, there's nothing wrong with being rich. I'm not rich, but if I was, I'd sure shout about it. There ain't a thing wrong with being rich. It's not a thing wrong with having money. Somebody help me preach. 
Not a thing wrong with having a lot of money. Not a thing wrong with working for money. The Bible doesn't say there's anything wrong with money. What the Bible says is that the love of money is the root of all evil. So when you love the money, mm -hmm, now I'm going to preach to you. More than you love the God, you're out of order, as I preached a few weeks ago. That's when it becomes a sin in your life. But I believe, God. how many believes God wants his children to be blessed? Do you believe that? Years ago when I was working at the bank, it was, I used to care a whole lot about what people think. I don't care so much now. I really don't. I do sometimes. Angie can tell you. Sometimes I don't, though. But anyway, this lady came to sit down in my office, and she needed some help. I was pastoring, but I was working at the bank. So, you know, when you work an outside job and you have nice things, I guess that's a little more excusable to people. But she came and sat down in my office, and she said, I've, I've got an issue I want to talk to you about. And I said, okay, what is it? She went into detail about a pastor who was a friend of mine in town that got a brand-new vehicle. Now, listen, when I tell you what he bought, it wasn't like he bought a Mercedes or a BMW. He bought a Toyota Highlander Limited. And you know what her problem was? She's telling me all this, and I said, I, I don't understand. What do you got a problem with? She said, Well, I, it's got a moonroof, it's got leather interior, it's got a chrome package, it's fancy, and it's flashy. And I just don't think that somebody that considers themselves a minister of the gospel ought to go buy something like that and drive around in it. I said, well, honey, I don't know what God you're serving. But the God that I'm serving wants his children to be blessed. And I'm happy that your pastor is driving a Toyota Highlander Limited. And how do you know that God don't have him well on his way to drive a Cadillac Escalade? Can I get a witness this morning? God wants his people to be blessed. Verse 32, got to move on. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how he, will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Is God good? Verse 32 tells us how good God is. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. I read that passage of Scripture and I think about my boy. Or my girl that helped me sing this morning. As much as I love all of you, I could not give them up for your benefit. But when I read that, I see that God paid the ultimate price. He gave the ultimate gift. And you and I are recipients of the greatest gift that can ever be given. But how do we receive it? We receive it by faith in God. And if God gives us that gift, those people that think that God don't want his people blessed, then why does the word say, will he not also with him graciously give us what? All things. All things. James 1 and 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow to change. God is good and wants to give us good gifts. But here's the kicker. We just have to ask. If you need a financial blessing, maybe you have not because you ask not. If you need somebody in your family to be saved, maybe you're not seeing it because you're not asking God for it. We are underestimating the power of prayer in the church today. Are you with me? 
Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? What kind of gifts does God want to give you? Good gifts. Why? Because he's good. Say amen, somebody. The next few verses, very quickly, verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it that brings charges against you? Can I tell you who it's not? Oftentimes in movements like ours, others like us, people will try to tell you that it's the Holy Spirit that brings charges against you. Listen, the Holy Ghost will convict you of sin. Nod your head yes. The Holy Ghost will convict you of sin, but He does not bring charges. That's not the God we serve. Revelations chapter 12 and verse 10 tells us who brings charges. He said, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. We're back to the same person that is against us. Are you with me? Satan is the accuser. Verse 33, it's God who justifies. And he goes back to what Paul said earlier. Here's what the Lord says. Satan is the accuser. But here's what the Holy Spirit says. Not guilty. Covered by the blood. When you say, God, I've messed up, forgive me. Forgiven. Forgotten. Cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered anymore. Yeah, there may be people that remind you of it, but God will cast it into the sea of forgetfulness and never remember it again. Why? Because he's good. Verse 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, the one who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Same answer. He's interceding for us. You know, there's been too many people in movements like ours down through the years that like to condemn other people. They like to pick out and broadcast their sin. They like to try to pick the splinter out of your eye. But the Bible said they're walking around with a beam coming out of theirs. I love what Paul said. He basically said, last time I checked, it was Jesus who died. That's what he said in that verse of Scripture. Last time I checked, Christ Jesus is the one who died. He's the one that was raised. He's the one that's at the right hand of God. And guess what? You might accuse me. You might condemn me, but he's praying for me. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So if you're going through some junk in your life this morning, Jesus is praying for you right now. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Jesus is praying for you right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 Verses 18 through 22. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Watch this, church. We could take a lesson from this. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those that are outside 
outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. That's what God has called us to. It's not, God hasn't called us to condemn. That's what God has called us to do. Verse 35 in our main text. I'm about to wrap this up. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, there he is quoting the word of God again. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Here Paul says that without a doubt, Christians are not exempt from difficulties. I hate to be the bearer of bad news this morning, but just because you serve the Lord doesn't mean that you're going to escape difficulties. But because God is good, and because He's faithful, and because we can place our faith and our trust in Him, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So as sickness invaded your life this morning, won't you have faith in God the healer? Do your family relationships, have they been disrupted? Nothing and nobody can separate you from what God wants to do in your life. Bad situation that you're facing, they just sang about it this morning. We serve a God that can turn it around and work it for your good. Verse 37, no, shout no. Shout it like you're Pentecostal. In all these things, all these things, everything we go through, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. How are you more than a conqueror, Pastor? How am I more than a conqueror? Because you serve a good God. See, faith sees the finished work of the cross and it understands that all of God's promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. Because God is good. And if you are serving God, no matter what you, hear me this morning, no matter what you might be facing right now, or what you might wake up and face tomorrow or on down the road, you can always rear your shoulders back, look that adversary in the eye, and declare to him, I've got a feeling. We used to sing a song in the old church. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Anybody remember that song? I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Why? Because the God I serve is good. And he's working everything together for my good. So I'm not going to be afraid of what I'm facing. I'm convinced. I said I'm convinced. He's able to keep what I've committed unto him against that day. Hallelujah. As they come to the music this morning. God's good. He has a plan. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. I preached it to you a couple months ago. For I know the plans I have for you. Declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans never to harm you. It is never God's plan to harm you. Plans to give you a hope future. Listen, God will do what he said in his word that he will do. When I was studying this week and preparing for this message, I had something else that I wanted to preach today. And on Friday, the Lord began, or Thursday, I'm sorry, the Lord began to turn that in my spirit. He said, 
save that for another time. He said there's going to be some people there on Sunday that need to be reminded that I'm good. Sometimes we can go through stuff. And when we go through stuff, the enemy can make us doubt, make us fear, make us wonder, where is God in all of this? Has anybody ever been there? But God said some of them are going to need to be reminded, though they're in the middle of it. Remind them, I'm good. See, no matter what you may be going through, when you start to look at the evidence of His goodness all over your life, it'll change your perspective. I want to close. If you'll stand with me all over the room with this passage of Scripture, don't dim the lights yet, please. I'll get you in just a second for those. But I want to close with this passage of Scripture in Psalms chapter 23. Most of you know this. Maybe some of you can even quote it. But as this scripture just opened up with every aspect of it this week, doesn't matter what you may be going through, the psalmist David said, The Lord is my shepherd. That's relationship. I shall not want. That's supply. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That's rest. Could anybody use some rest in the Lord? He leadeth me beside the still waters. That's refreshment. He restoreth my soul. That's healing. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. That's guidance. For His name's sake, that is your purpose. Do you hear me this morning? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's your time of testing. I will fear no evil. That's His protection. For thou art with me. That's His faithfulness. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You won't shout on this one because that's His discipline. Sometimes He has to take a rod like a shepherd does and get us back in line does anybody else besides your pastor ever get out of line if you didn't know it I get out of line every once in a while that's his discipline I love this thou prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies that's hope it might look bad right now but God's preparing a table right in the middle of it Thou anointest my head with oil. That's consecration. My cup runneth over. You know what that is? That's abundance. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or think. That's abundance. Surely, goodness and mercy. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know what that is? That's blessing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That's why I don't have to worry. That's security. Forever. That's eternity. So I came to serve notice on the devil this morning. Did you hear me? 
I said I came to serve notice on the devil this morning. You can have security in the house of the Lord. You can experience goodness and mercy running you down all the days of your life. Why? Because God is good. God is good. I want you to sing goodness of God this morning. Abby, come help him sing the goodness of God this morning. Is she still here? There she is. Now, Trevor, you can get the lights. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask right now if there's somebody in this room and you say, Pastor, I hear you preaching on the goodness of God. But I'm not real sure that if I went out into eternity today, that I would be ready to meet Him. I'm not positive I'd go to heaven if I died today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Put it back down. Thank you. Wow, yes, thank you. At least five or six hands so far. Anybody else? I'm not sure that I'm ready to meet the Lord should I go out into eternity today. Anybody else? I saw at least five or six hands. I want to talk to you for just a moment. I want to tell you that before you leave this room today, church, I want you to begin to pray if you would. Before you leave this room today, you can leave here knowing that regardless of what happens today or tomorrow, you are ready should you go out into eternity to meet Him. And let me tell you something else. It's not as hard as a lot of religious people have made you think it is. Somebody in this church help me preach. It's not as hard as some religious people have made you think it is. It's simply as easy as your ABCs. This is the good old Baptist boy coming out in me, but it is what it is. It's as simple as A, admitting that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. B, believing that Jesus was the Son of God and that He died on the cross for the remission of your sins and that He was buried and He rose again on the third day and inviting Him into your heart to be the Lord and the Savior of your life and then C, confessing to God and man that He is now your Savior and your Lord. The Bible says, Whosoever calls, I feel the Lord this morning, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord doesn't say might be saved, shall be saved. Don't leave here today without Him in your life. When I open this altar, I expect that it's going to be so full, you definitely won't feel out of place coming to pray. But I want to invite you to pray today and just simply walk through that and say, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. And I promise you, and there's a room full of people right here that will testify with me to you this morning. Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Today. Woo, today could be your day. But as I preached earlier, you've got to make that choice. You've got to make that decision. Now to the rest of us in the room today, you can look at me. When I open this altar, I want to invite you to do something. I don't know what you may be carrying. I don't know what you may be going through in your life this morning. But here's what I know. I know God's good. And I know I'm convinced that no matter what it is, there's nothing bigger than Him. There's not a mountain too high, a valley too low, a problem too big that God cannot move on. But you've also got to make that decision to let the goodness of God touch your life today. But I promise you, I feel the Holy Ghost ministering to people right now. I promise you, His goodness will cause that doubt to melt away. 
you got to have faith in God. Not this church. Certainly not this preacher. Not this congregation. Not even this book. Have faith in God that He'll meet all. Say all. All of your needs. No matter what it is this morning. No matter what it looks like today. Some of you just need to bring what you've been carrying to this altar. Give it to Jesus and declare God, you've got this because you're good.